Part 2, Chapter 4, Section 67 of The Life of Jesus Critically Examined by David Friedrich Strauss, translated by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Part 2, History of the Public Life of Jesus. Chapter 4, Jesus as the Messiah. Section 67, The Relation of Jesus to the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic institutions were actually extinguished in the church of which Jesus was the founder. Hence, it is natural to suppose that their abolition formed a part of his design, a reach of vision, beyond the horizon of the ceremonial worship of his age and country, of which apologists have been ever anxious to prove that he was possessed. Neither are there wanting speeches and actions of Jesus which seem to favor their effort. Whenever he details the conditions of participation in the kingdom of heaven, as in the Sermon on the Mount, he insists not on the observance of the Mosaic ritual, but on the spirit of religion and morality. He attaches no value to fasting, praying, and almsgiving, unless accompanied by a corresponding bent of mind. Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 through 18. The two main elements of the Mosaic worship, sacrifice and keeping of Sabbaths and feasts, he not only nowhere enjoins, but puts a marked slight on the former, by commending the scribe who declared that the love of God and one's neighbor was more than whole burnt offerings and sacrifices, as one not far from the kingdom of God. Mark chapter 12 verse 23 and following and he ran counter in action as well as in speech to the customary mode of celebrating the sabbath matthew chapter 12 verses 1 through 13 mark chapter 2 verses 23 through 28 chapter 3 verses 1 through 5 luke chapter 6 verses 1 through 10 chapter 13 verses 10 and following chapter 14 verse 1 and following john chapter 5 verse 5 and following chapter 7 verse 22 and chapter 9, verse 1 and following, of which in his character of Son of Man he claimed to be Lord. The Jews, too, appear to have expected a revision of the Mosaic law by their Messiah. A somewhat analogous sense is couched in the declarations attributed by the fourth evangelist to Jesus. Chapter 2, verse 19. Matthew, chapter 26, verse 61 and Mark chapter 14 verse 58, represent him as being accused by false witnesses of saying, I am able to destroy the temple of God, and to build it in three days. The author of the Acts has something similar as an article of accusation against Stephen, but instead of the latter half of the sentence, it is thus added, And he, that is, Jesus, shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And perhaps this may be regarded as an authentic comment on the less explicit text. In general, it may be said that to one who, like Jesus, is so far alive to the absolute value of the internal compared with the external, of the bent of the entire disposition compared with isolated acts, that he pronounces the love of God and our neighbor to be the essence of the law. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36 and following. To him it cannot be a secret, 
that all precepts of the law which do not bear on these two points are unessential. But the argument, apparently most decisive of a design on the part of Jesus to abolish the Mosaic worship, is furnished by his prediction that the temple, the center of Jewish worship, Matthew chapter 24 verse 2 and parallel passages, would be destroyed, and that the adoration of God would be freed from local fetters and become purely spiritual. John chapter 4 verse 21 and following. The above, however, presents only one aspect of the position assumed by Jesus towards the Mosaic law. There are also data for the belief that he did not meditate the overthrow of the ancient constitution of his country. This side of the question has been, at a former period, and from easily conceived reasons, the one which the enemies of Christianity in its ecclesiastical form have chosen to exhibit. But it is only in recent times that, the theological horizon being extended, the unprejudiced expositors of the church have acknowledged its existence. In the first place, during his life, Jesus remains faithful to the paternal law. He attends the synagogue on the Sabbath, journeys to Jerusalem at the time of the feast, and eats of the paschal lamb with his disciples. It is true that he heals on the Sabbath, allows his disciples to pluck ears of corn, Matthew chapter 12, verse 1 and following, and requires no fasting or washing before meat in his society, Matthew chapter 4, verse 14, chapter 15, verse 2. But the Mosaic law concerning the Sabbath simply prescribed cessation from common labor, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 and following, chapter 31, verse 12 and following, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12 and following, including plowing, reaping, Exodus chapter 34, verse 21, gathering of sticks, Numbers chapter 15, verse 32 and following, and similar work. And it was only the spirit of petty observance, the growth of a later age, that made it an offense to perform cures or pluck a few ears of corn. The washing of hands before eating was but a rabbinical custom. In the law, one general yearly fast was alone prescribed. Leviticus chapter 16 verse 29 and following, chapter 23 verse 27 and following. And no private fasting required. Hence, Jesus cannot be convicted of infringing the precepts of Moses. In that very Sermon on the Mount, in which Jesus exalts spiritual religion so far above all ritual, he clearly presupposes the continuation of sacrifices, Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and following, and declares that he is not come to destroy the law and the prophets, but to fulfill, Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. Even if plerosai, in all probability, refers chiefly to the accomplishment of the Old Testament prophecies, uk elthon katalusai must at the same time be understood of the conservation of the Mosaic law, since, in the context, perpetuity is promised to the smallest letter, and he who represents its lightest precept as not obligatory is threatened with the lowest rank in the kingdom of heaven. In accordance with this, 
the apostles adhered strictly to the Mosaic law, even after the Feast of Pentecost. They went at the hour of prayer into the temple, Acts chapter 3 verse 1, clung to the synagogues and to the Mosaic injunctions respecting food, chapter 10 verse 14, and were unable to appeal to any express declaration of Jesus as a sanction for the procedure of Barnabas and Paul, when the Judaizing party complained of their baptizing Gentiles without laying on them the burthen of the Mosaic law. This apparent contradiction in the conduct and language of Jesus has been apologetically explained by the supposition that not only the personal obedience of Jesus to the law, but also his declarations in its favor were a necessary concession to the views of his contemporaries, who would at once have withdrawn their confidence from him had he announced himself as the destroyer of their holy and venerated law. We allow that the obedience of Jesus to the law in his own person might be explained in the same way as that of Paul, which, on his own showing, was a measure of mere expediency. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 20 compare with Acts chapter 16 verse 3. But the strong declarations of Jesus concerning the perpetuity of the law and the guilt of him who dares to violate its lightest precept cannot possibly be derived from the principle of concession. For to pronounce that indispensable, which one secretly holds superfluous, and which one even seeks to bring gradually into disuse, would, leaving honesty out of the question, be in the last degree injudicious. Hence, others have made a distinction between the moral and the ritual law, and referred the declaration of Jesus that he wished not to abrogate the law to the former one, which he extricated from a web of trivial ceremonies and embodied in his own example. But such a distinction is not found in those striking passages from the Sermon on the Mount. Rather, in the Law and the Prophets, we have the most comprehensive designation of the whole religious constitution of the Old Testament, and under the most trivial commandment, and the smallest letter of the law, alike pronounced imperishable, we cannot well understand anything else than the ceremonial precepts. A happier distinction is that between really Mosaic Institutes and their traditional amplifications. It is certain that the Sabbath cures of Jesus, his neglect of the pedantic ablutions before eating, and the like, ran counter, not to Moses, but to later rabbinical requirements, and several discourses of Jesus turn upon this distinction. Matthew chapter 15 verse 3 and following, Jesus places the commandment of God in opposition to the tradition of the elders and Matthew chapter 23 verse 23, he declares that where they are compatible, the former may be observed without rejecting the latter, in which case he admonishes the people to do all that the scribes and Pharisees enjoin, where, on the contrary, either the one or the other only can be respected. He decides that it is better to transgress the tradition of the elders than the commandment of God as given by Moses. Matthew chapter 15 verse 3 and following. He describes the mass of traditional precepts 
as a burthen grievous to be borne, which he would remove from the oppressed people, substituting his own light burthen and easy yoke. Whence it may be seen that with all his forbearance towards existing institutions, so far as they were not previously pernicious, it was his intention that all these commandments of men, as plants which his heavenly father had not planted, should be rooted up. Chapter 15, verses 9 and 13. The majority of the pharisaical precepts referred to externals, and had the effect of burying the noble morality of the Mosaic law under a heap of ceremonial observances. A gift to the temple sufficed to absolve the giver from his filial duties. Chapter 15, verse 5. And the payment of tithe of Annas and Cumin superseded justice, mercy, and faith. Chapter 23, verse 23. Hence, this distinction is in some degree identical with the former, since in the rabbinical institutes it was their merely ceremonial tendency that Jesus censured, while in the Mosaic law it was the kernel of religion and morality that he chiefly valued. It must only not be contended that he regarded the Mosaic law as permanent solely in its spiritual part, for the passages quoted, especially from the Sermon on the Mount, clearly show that he did not contemplate the abolition of the merely ritual precepts. Jesus, supposing that he had discerned morality and the spiritual worship of God to be the sole essentials in religion, must have rejected all which, being merely ritual and formal, had usurped the importance of a religious obligation, and under this description must fall a large proportion of the Mosaic precepts. But it is well known how slowly such consequences are deduced when they come into collision with usages consecrated by antiquity. Even Samuel, apparently, was aware that obedience is better than sacrifice. 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 22. And Asaph, that an offering of thanksgiving is more acceptable to God than one of slain animals. Psalm 1. Yet how long after were sacrifices retained, together with true obedience, or in its stead? Jesus was more thoroughly penetrated with his conviction than those ancients. With him, the true commandments of God in the Mosaic law were simply, Honor thy father and thy mother, thou shalt not kill, etc., and, above all, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and thy neighbor as thyself. But his deep-rooted respect for the sacred book of the law caused him, for the sake of these essential contents, to honor the unessential, which was the more natural, as in comparison with the absurdly exaggerated pedantry of the traditional observances. The ritual of the Pentateuch must have appeared highly simple. To honor this latter part of the law as of divine origin, but to declare it abrogated on the principle that in the education of the human race God finds necessary for an earlier period an arrangement which is superfluous for a latter one, implies that idea of the law as a schoolmaster, Galatians chapter 3 verse 24, 
which seems first to have been developed by the apostle paul nevertheless its germ lies in the declaration of jesus that god had permitted to the early hebrews on account of the hardness of their hearts matthew chapter 19 verse 8 and following many things which in a more advanced state of culture were inadmissible a similar limitation of the duration of the law is involved in the predictions of jesus if indeed they were uttered by jesus a point which we have to discuss that the temple would be destroyed at his approaching advent matthew chapter twenty four and parallel passages and that devotion would be freed from all local restrictions john chapter four for with these must fall the entire mosaic system of external worship this is not contradicted by the declaration that the law would endure until heaven and earth should pass away matthew chapter five verse eighteen for the hebrew associated the fall of his state and sanctuary with the end of the old world or dispensation so that the expressions so long as the temple stands and so long as the world stands were equivalent it is true that the words of jesus luke chapter sixteen verse sixteen nomos kai oi prophetai eos iwanu seem to imply that the appearance of the baptist put an end to the validity of the law but this passage loses its deprecatory sense when compared with its parallel matthew chapter eleven verse thirteen on the other hand luke chapter sixteen verse seventeen controls matthew chapter five verse eighteen and reduces it to a mere comparison between the stability of the law and that of heaven and earth the only question then is in which of the gospels are the two passages more correctly stated as given in the first they intimate that the law would retain its supremacy until and not after the close of the old dispensation with this agrees the prediction that the temple would be destroyed for the spiritualization of religion and according to stephen's interpretation the abolition of the mosaic law which were to be the results of that event were undoubtedly identified by jesus with the commencement of the ion melon of the messiah hence it appears that the only difference between the view of paul and that of jesus is this that the latter anticipated the extinction of the mosaic system as a concomitant of his glorious advent or return to a regenerated earth while the former believed its abolition permissible on the old unregenerated earth in virtue of the messiah's first advent end of section 67